All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. Many independent schools started back up today after spring break. And as I learned from my own experience this morning, this is not going to be easy. The Zoom virtual version of a teacher telling kids to sit down now is mute yourself. New York City schools have been closed since March 17th due to coronavirus pandemic, the public schools. And as of this morning, the planned reopening date is officially April 20th, according to the DOE website. But as schools chancellor Richard Carenza told NPR Steve Inskeep on Friday, quote, it's looking more and more likely that we will finish the school year with learning at home. So whether we are prepared for it or not, a lot of parents in New York and around the country right now are finding themselves turned into teacher's assistants. That means planning learning schedules, finding materials, making sure kids are staying engaged in the work, in addition to things like, you know, feeding them. For a lot of parents, this is on top of the work that they are now doing from home. Last week, the New York Times published an article called How to Homeschool During Coronavirus by Catherine Hill, who is a learning specialist who works at the Packer Collegiate Institute in Brooklyn. The piece was full of advice and resources for parents who are still getting a hang of school at home. So to share some of her professional recommendation, Catherine joins me now by phone. Catherine, welcome to all of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listeners, you can tweet to at all of it WNYC with your questions. Don't forget the handle is all of it WNYC, one word, no punctuation. That way we can see your tweets. If you have a comment or a question for Catherine, we're wondering how is your homeschooling going? What resources have you had trouble finding? What resources have you found that are helpful? Have any tricks you want to share at all of it WNYC on Twitter? All right, so Catherine, some schools, they have remote learning plans in place for parents to use. That sounds great. But what are some of the things to keep in mind if you are using these assignments provided by the school? They come to you via email, and then what? Sure. I think that's a great question. I think that one thing that comes immediately to my mind is for parents, often it can be really hard to tell whether something is an assignment that has to be done at a specific time that has like a sort of synchronous Zoom component to it or whether it's something that kids can do at any point during the day. And I think it's great to try to figure out which falls into each category so that kids can kind of plan out their morning, maybe even their afternoon. And knowing sort of when you have to do what seems like an important first step for that. Do you have any feelings about whether kids should try to, I've heard a bunch of the kids, I've been, you know, eavesdropping, that they're going to do all the work in the first two days and then take the rest of the week off. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I can picture older kids doing that. And I know schools are probably going to be adapting to sort of, we kind of learn as we go along, and just like kids are doing. And I would imagine that for some kids, you know, a family might even want to have them do that for some mm-hmm. specific reason. I think in most cases, schools are providing materials as we go along. So a student might get a list of things to do on Monday. They'll get a new list on Tuesday. I know that's certainly the case for my own children. And I guess I wonder if that's realistic, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I think it shows some good initiatives that some kids might be taking. 
So what if you're I, looking- I guess I just don't see that being something that most kids will will act- actually be able to pull off. <laughs> so, so what if you see your kids' assignments and you're thinking this this is looking minimal to me, and I really mm-hmm. want to supplement? Where should you first? What's the first step in designing or adding to the learn at home curriculum? Sure. I mean, I think depending on the relationship the family has with the school and just that situation in general, I could see some parents' first step just reaching out to a teacher to make sure that they and their child have understood correctly what's being asked because it's possible if it looks really minimal that there's actually just been some miscommunication because some of these online platforms, even though they're designed to be quite clear, still take a while to get used to. And if a child hasn't been using it all the time, those intricacies might kind of miss even adults. That's happened to me, and I use some of these platforms professionally. So I guess checking to make sure that that's accurate is probably a good first step. But then beyond that, I do think a lot of families are looking to supplement either to keep kids busy for something that's approaching, if not actually equal to a whole school day, And I think to do that, adding one or two supplementary activities at a time until you kind of reach a good balance is a good idea. And I think there are some out there that are going to be more helpful for more families than others. And I'd be glad to talk about a few of those. Yes, please. Let's talk about reading and writing. Sure. So one thing that I was looking for myself, not necessarily for my own kids, but to recommend to families um, who were asking me about having sort of multiple kids at home and kids of different ages and how to handle that, with with reading in mind particularly, I came across something that was new to me, which is um, a website called Storyline, and that is one where people who are, I think it's members of the Screen Actors Guild, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, read loud stories in their picture books, so it's probably appropriate for pre-K through maybe first or second grade, depending on the child's interests, and I, I liked it. I thought it had a lot of great literature, and it, the production values are pretty good. It's free, so that would be something where kids could have a read-aloud experience, even if a parent is busy doing something else. Um, so, th- yeah, that's a, that's a reading one that I really liked. For writing, for younger kids particularly, and I'm thinking, again, preschool with an adult's help, um, probably up through even fifth or sixth grade, maybe even older, there's a website that's called Storybird, which has quite a few free options, and it's set up to promote creative writing and to let kids Mm. tell stories that go along with some really nice illustrations that they've commissioned, and they also have a section of challenges where teachers um, have put together kind of prompts for creative stories that kids can follow. And that looks really good to me. Um, It's something that I would definitely use with my own kids as we go along with this if they need a little bit more sort of supplementary material. There's one other uh, writing website that I think is quite helpful for kids in starting in about fourth grade up through high school, and that's called quill.org. And it is focused more on basic writing skills, but it uses really good evidence-based sentence completion and similar kinds of activities. And I have found that to be one of the highest quality online offerings that families might be able to access easily. What about math? I think math frightens a lot of parents these days. Yeah, well, it's often taught differently now Mm -hmm. than it was when we were in school, and that's challenging for a lot of people. And I think that math also offers an interesting sort of 
a sort of an interesting case in terms of supplementation because people do have the opportunity for their kids to get some math practice that might be in a different format than they usually get it, which for some kids could potentially be helpful. So I guess with math, um, one thing that comes to my mind is are parents looking to kind of shore up skills, like for younger kids, fact family skills, like addition and subtraction or multiplication, or are they looking more for something that's kind of exploratory? And I think on the shoring up skills side, there are quite a few different options. There's a company that is offering, as many are, a kind of free trial that's fairly long-term called Reflex Math. That's a very game-based fact fluency um, type of program. And I think that's appropriate for kids um, in probably first grade up through about sixth grade. And there are also some sort of more basic options. There's one called Extra Math that's also free that focuses on building that fluency that can be very helpful for kids. In terms of more like exploration of math concepts, there is um, a company called Dreambox that offers subscriptions and I actually am not sure if they're offering anything that's free, but it's very high quality, and that's something that some families might consider subscribing to. My guest is Catherine Hill, learning specialist at the Packer Collegiate Institute in Brooklyn. She wrote a piece called How to Homeschool During the Coronavirus. It's in the New York Times. If you have a question for Catherine or if you want to give us one of your homeschool hacks, at all of it, WNYC on Twitter and Instagram. So this is very interesting. You are, I be, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're of the opinion yeah that it is worthwhile to still use paper and physical materials because so much of what we've been talking about is online. Mm-hmm. Why do you Absolutely. suggest that? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there are a lot of reasons I would suggest that, and my hope would be for any child who's spending a lot more time now on a screen than they normally would that they do get some breaks from that, whether it's to be able to go outside and walk around or just even in the home. I think that one of the reasons why I think paper-based materials play such an important role in kids' education, even now that we have so many other options, are just that the actual act of writing creates much stronger connections in the brain. It helps with eventual comprehension and retention of material. So just in terms of the research on writing and you know, sort of participating in that and, and physically doing that, it has a lot of benefits. And I would hate for kids to miss out on that. And I think it's also a helpful message for families who may not have enough devices for every person in the family to be using one at the same time. Doing those kinds of paper-based activities is, is really valuable. It's also, you, you do address the idea of people having multiple kids and different age groups. And mm-hmm. you suggest something about the noise <laughs> level. Make sure everybody's on the same noise level at the same time. <laughs> I mean, that might be something I'm saying because I live in a sort of medium-sized New York. I probably live in a small New York City apartment, but I'm hopeful it's it's medium-sized at this point. Um, Yeah, I guess I feel like we all have to be pretty pragmatic at this point. You know, we have parents who are probably thinking about this from a perspective of I need to be able to do my work or I have to look for a job or whatever it is that parents are dealing with right now. And then we also have kids competing needs and there could be health needs. There's just so much going on for people that I think we do have to be kind of kind to ourselves and look for ways to make this doable. And I guess to me, maybe I'm a person who doesn't love noise and maybe being able to think about the noise level of activities is something that just occurs to me personally. 
I think the duration of them as well, like trying to figure out what's going to be the best plan for each person during the day so that the family can kind of get done what they'd like to get done and also stay sane. I think that's a big challenge for all of us right now. What's some advice to to help it keep it a school day so that mm-hmm. kids understand you would be in school from nine to three. What's some mm-hmm. advice to help keep the structure of school while at home? Sure. And I think that is desirable. I mean, I would hate for a family to feel like they had to do that if something else were really standing in the way. However, yes, for people who are able to and, and want to do that, I think it is a great idea. And I think something that really helps kids is previewing and sort of knowing what's coming next. So I think you know, on Sunday evening when we're all about to start the next week, thinking about, okay, well, what's the week going to look like? Not from a sense of we're, like, I'm promising you that everything we're talking about is going to happen exactly on schedule, but more kind of let's think ahead about what are each of these days going to look like tomorrow morning? What do you need to have ready? I think the more kids can take on the responsibility for answering that question. So not just being told by an adult, oh, you know, get your school materials ready. Let's make sure your work area is set up. But kind of having to think that through on their own, I think that's a really helpful way for kids to build executive function skills and feel more invested. So I guess that previewing and thinking ahead about what's the next day going to look like, what's the week going to look like, and involving kids in that discussion where they they feel engaged in it. And it's clear that we're expecting them to take some age-appropriate responsibility. I see that as a really valuable opportunity for families where it's possible. My guest has been Catherine Hill, Learning Specialist at the Packer Collegiate Institute in Brooklyn. You should definitely check out her article, How to Homeschool During the Coronavirus. It's in the New York Times. Catherine, thanks so much. Thank you. And listeners, we want to mention that New York City has set up 93 regional enrichment centers across the city. And last Wednesday, the city expanded eligibility to include more of the people working on the front lines right now. So not just the health workers, but also grocery store and pharmacy employees, employees of some of the agencies like the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene and NYCHA. So you want to definitely check that out at schools.nyc.gov. This is all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart, and I'll meet you at the top of the hour. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.